You're listening to Conversations at the Cohen Center, a space for intellectual engagement, interdisciplinary collaboration, and a vibrant graduate community at James Madison University. Welcome to Conversations at the Cohen Center. I'm Becca, and today I'm speaking with Livy Call, the current JMU Engagement Fellow for Food Access and Security with Community Service Learning. Welcome to our podcast, Livy. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's just jump right in. First off, tell me a little bit about yourself and your work, especially with the JMU Engagement Fellows Program. Right. So I just recently graduated from JMU. I studied dietetics. Um, And I would say a lot of what makes me who I am is the things that I've done outside of my education, my formal education, um, mainly through my extracurriculars and stuff. So I guess I'll, I'll talk about that. So I'm one of the founders of Campus Kitchen at JMU, which is a food waste recovery organization that donates unused food that's still perfectly safe to eat to um, local community partners. So that makes me a lot, like, I guess, of who I am because it's given me a lot of leadership skills and I've had to be really creative with um, partnerships and figuring out what to do with wasted food. I am a chef in tra- by training. I went to cooking school for a semester when I was in undergrad, so a lot of my um, background comes from the culinary aspect of things. I do have an interest in farming as well, and that's kind of what piqued my interest in getting into food was um, being connected with the earth and natural systems and really valuing our natural world. Um, But what I really love to do is cook with the food that comes from local farmers and everything like that. So the cooking school I went to was in Ireland, and it was on a 100-acre organic farm, and I spent three months there, and it was pure heaven. Um, yeah, and that's that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, so I guess I've had I've had a lot of really interesting experiences with um, like cooking and service um, and various odd jobs along the way that have shaped my outlook with things. I've worked in a, a bakery before, and I teach cooking classes to middle school and high school students, and traveled a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how like how to talk about who I am as like what I've done, I guess. But yeah, ultimately, I'm, I'm somebody who's um, seeing my part in this larger system, trying to make our world more accessible and equitable to people who live in it. That's awesome. So how did you get involved with the JMU Engagement Fellows? So that was a culmination of a lot of the extracurriculars that I did in undergrad. I was really involved with kind of like low-key food activism, I guess, with Campus Kitchen. That had me really involved. Um, I did a a local meal that also kind of put my name out there. So I guess like over time, like in my four years at JMU, I kind of like built up this presence, I guess. And so I had a lot of connections. And when I went to graduate with dietetics... I kind of realized that I still had a, like, I didn't really want to leave the Harrisonburg community because I had so many connections. So the typical path of an engagement fellow is you apply to a position and you, I guess, get it if you're going to be the engagement fellow. Um, I'm a little bit more unique, I guess, in that I created my position um, because I saw a need for it and felt really, I felt very strongly connected to the cause, I guess, of, (laughs) of food access and making food more accessible, really, um, because that's something that I've seen at JMU. There's room to grow with that. So that's how I came into the Engagement Fellowship. Um, it took me 
I started in October talking to people saying, hey, this needs to be a thing because I knew someone who was an engagement fellow the year before. And I was like, wow, like if there could be something with food, that would be amazing. (laughs) (laughs) So I just kept talking to people and nagging people and eventually found the right people to talk to about it and made it happen. That's great. So what did you, when you first started working with the JMU fellows, Mm -hmm. how did you get that ball rolling for doing the work you're doing with food insecurity? Yeah. So I have an amazing office that I work out of, community service learning, and my supervisor there is absolutely incredible. So she's been really, really helpful for me to really figure out where to start. And she knows me well enough to where she knows how I operate best with like a little bit of guidance, but giving me full reign basically. So she kind of gives me nudges when I need it. Um, So I've been meeting with her and I guess like that first week I had a training that really set me into the right mindset through community service learning with service and not being overly assumptive, I guess, or assuming with my work. Basically, I meet with a lot of people. That's kind of how I do my work. I just, I probably meet, I don't even know how many people, maybe like four people a day. I just have different conversations. So really I'm seeing it as a lot of relationship building and that's really why I'm in this job anyways. So that's kind of letting me do my thing without the schoolwork. Um, and yeah, to really, to really make change happen in this world, what I'm learning is you need to raise awareness of it first before you can say, hey, we want to build a food pantry. People who might not have that background or understand the importance of it would just be like, uh, what? <laughs> okay, I guess. But building up that relationship before you start trying to co-create things is really important. So that's what I've been doing. So who have you been working with here at JMU? So I've been working with my supervisor, Jamie Williams. Um, She's the associate director of community service learning. I've also been working with uh, the director of off-campus life out of Madison Unions, Jeremy Hawkins. He's amazing. And I would say those are the two who I work with most. I also work with Campus Kitchen now as like capacity builder for that organization. So I work with the, the advisor, Adrienne Griggs, very closely with her. She works in the learning centers, so... That's her, her day job. And then um, she also gets to work with Campus Kitchen. So those three, actually, yeah, those are the big ones. I've also been working with the sustainability manager for dining services, um, Amanda Pressgraves. And she has been very influential in the work that I've been able to do because of that connection with di- dining services. I've, I was in dietetics at JMU, so I still have a very strong connection to the faculty there. And outside of JMU, I've worked with the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank a little bit. I have, I know a couple of the people there. And so they've been really helpful in kind of figuring out how we're going to address food insecurity on campus um, with our initiatives. And I'm also very fortunate. I know, like, I'm just listing off all these people. Um, <laughs> but the student affairs, the director, no, the vice president of student affairs, Tim Miller, um, is very knowledgeable in this field. And he helped start up a, a campus pantry up at George Washington University. So he's been very, very supportive, and he does have a lot of other responsibilities, so this might not necessarily be what he can do all the time, but he's been very helpful with this, too. So tell me a little bit more about Campus Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Campus Kitchen is it's a charter or chapter organization that it's this overall larger project that's based out of D.C. called the Campus Kitchens Project. And so... Four years ago, I listened to a presentation that Adrian Griggs gave about the organization, 
and said, hey, we want to start something at JMU. It recovers food waste from dining halls and serves the community. And I was like, great, that makes so much sense, taking an unused resource and donating it to a population that has limited resources. So that's really what the organization is about. So at each university, because it's based in universities, um, the operation works a little bit differently because schools are unique and their relationships with their dining services, company, corporation is a little bit different. So we have Aramark at JMU. They do our food service. And um, so we work closely with them to recover food waste right now. We just work with special events catering. So um, I think so far this semester, we've recovered about 700 pounds of food so far. Wow. And that's just recovering for about a month. We got, we were a little bit late starting this semester. Other universities recover thousands of pounds of food and um, it's a win-win. That's the beauty of using food waste. And so some people think when I say food waste, they think it's stuff that people scrape off of plates like in a dining hall, but we're not feeding that to people. That is unsanitary. (laughs) We're feeding people food that would be coming, let's say from a special event or like catering, the catering office where they've overprepared. They've prepared a lot of food. And with the catering industry, I guess since I have been in the food industry, like I understand that you want to show abundance. And if you run out of food as the caterer, that looks really bad for your program. So it's in the best interest for the dining services group to overprepare food um, for their clients. And so all that extra food that they have, they still have a lot of extra food. And the people who are their clients can't really take it because that could be food safety hazards for them. So they bring it back to the operation. They freeze it for us. They weigh it and tell us, hey, you have like 12 sheet trays of like cookies or baked beans or <laughs> pork barbecue. Or, <laughs> yeah. So we get a lot of random food, but it works out. Yeah. So how are you connecting organizations on campus to the resources that they need? I guess through the lens of food, because that's the work that I've been doing. Um, I would say I've been connecting people together And that's kind of been my work, less so with like individual organizations saying, hey, here's your food. Um, I've done a little bit of that with the Grad Student Association. I've been working with the Grad Student Association president, Jack, to um, build up a relationship with Campus Kitchen to start providing that resource, I guess, like food as a resource to students. So that's like one area. But with, I guess, through my lens of food, I see, I've seen, and I know a couple different organizations on campus that work with food and do some service work in the community. So I've mainly been connecting them to each other Mm -hmm. because I see a lot of value in collaboration and co-creation and collective impact. Yeah, that sounds like really important work. Yeah. So bringing it back a little, this is obviously a national issue. How does JMU fit into this? What are the problems here at JMU that you're trying to fix? Yeah, so I think it's easy when we're in this space, in this university, it's easy to feel removed from the rest of the university world. But ultimately what we're finding, and this is especially through a group called the the Hope Center for College Community and Justice, I think is what it's called. They're finding that across the board, a lot of universities are overlooking a lot of the students who really want to come to universities and make it there, but they are very much in debt and are struggling to afford textbooks. And so, you know, there's this like kind of story that everybody says like, oh, it's a rite of passage to eat ramen through college. Um, And I think that's where people get kind of hung up in that, like, oh, if you have food, then you're fine, right? But food insecurity is more, it's the limited access to nutritionally adequate food, not just any food at all. So um, yeah, and I think there's this kind of 
there's this stereotype of JMU that we are a very affluent school and a lot a large portion of our population or of our students comes from the top class of society, but I think that that really hurts the rest of the students who might not fall into that category because there might not be as many resources to support them if we if we keep telling the story not just within students but also from administration. And so it's been really interesting in my engagement fellowship that um, I've I've gotten to sit in on dinners and have meetings with the president and the provost and vice presidents of different areas on campus. So I've been able to bring this up and. Some people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, this is a very big issue at JMU. And others are like, what? Like, some of our students don't have enough to eat? And I just kind of, like, I just kind of breathe through it. And the tricky thing is that we don't have a lot of data right now to prove it. But based off of or correlated factors, there is very much a concern that there are students at JMU that are food insecure or housing insecure um, or even homeless. And right now there's a very very like limited way to see who these students are. So yeah, that's <laughs> what my work is going to be is to building, build up this survey of these students to see who's actually experiencing these, um, who, who are, who have limited resources. I, I don't, I hesitate to say who are struggling with these issues and like, because it makes it seem like they're lesser than, or they're like, they're kind of at this lower level when really these students are incredible. They work really hard to make ends meet and they have so much to contribute and, I don't want to present them as something that like is is kind of like this downtrodden person. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned that you wanted to make, create a food pantry. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So it's not just me. That's the beauty of this work is that it's so collaborative. Jeremy Hawkins has been trying to create a food pantry for so long <laughs> and finally it's happening. And I, I happen to be, well-placed in my position to make this happen because that's part of my work is to make food more accessible on campus. So I've been able to kind of catalyze that, but really it's not me. It's him and Jamie and um, some other folks on campus. So our goal is to partner with the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank, which um, would be fantastic because then we can have a more streamlined approach and system for ordering food for our students. And ultimately, the pantry is more of a symbolic support system and it's emergency aid for students. Um, It's not going to solve the issues of food insecurity and housing insecurity and basic needs insecurities um, because that's a much more deeply rooted systemic issue, but it does raise awareness. And so even having like brick and mortar, a place for people to go and say, hey, like this is an issue, just to see that is a reminder that this is an issue. Um, And the goal would be to have educational programming and to also have Make it as supportive as possible for students to also reduce the stigma for them to access it, too, because oftentimes you can have all these resources available. But if it if it's really invasive of your privacy to say, hey, like how how bad is it for you? (laughs) You know, like that might make them feel really bad and might make them not want to come in and receive the support. Um, So, yeah, we just submitted a Madison Trust proposal for the pantry. So right now to get it started, it looks like we need some grant funding. Um, since Tim Miller does have some leverage in finances, I guess, with his position as vice president of student affairs, and he's very passionate about this, um, we could have some institutional support as well financially, but those are some little kinks we're working out. There's going to be a food pantry soon. That's awesome. Yes. (laughs) So you mentioned Blue Ridge. Mm -hmm. Uh, what engagement are you doing with the larger Harrisonburg community about this issue? So 
That's actually been really interesting lately. Um, I've been really involved in the Harrisonburg community for so long that it's hard for me to differentiate between my job versus what I naturally want to do. I've been in a lot of conversations with the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank to really to learn. And with dietetics, I was volunteering a lot and doing a lot of community nutrition education. Um, so I've had an ongoing relationship with the, f- the food bank. Um, so there's a lot of systems in place currently that is federally funded um, and supported by the Blue Ridge Area Food Bank to support local food insecurity. There is a really big issue of homelessness in Harrisonburg, and that's a whole other issue. Um, and ultimately what I'm finding is that food insecurity is a much more deeply rooted issue than just like, like you can't solve this issue with food. Um, but with the work that I've been doing, it has been connecting with um, potential partners for Campus Kitchen. So I've been reaching out where I've been connecting with a local after school program called Second Home. And I've gotten really close with their program um, just over the years. And so they feed about or they service about 100 kids and work maybe with maybe just under that many families because they have siblings and stuff. Um, but it's it's so hard to really want to approach this um, and like cure this whole issue of limited food access because in Harrisonburg there is a very high rate of poverty and people living with limited resources. So I guess in my involvement, um, I've been going to meetings on Tuesdays with people who are experiencing homelessness and other local activists to talk about the issues they're facing. And right now I'm more listening. That's kind of, I think in undergrad, I was very much more like, let me go out and do all these things. And right now I'm like really reining it back in and approaching things more with like open ears and open eyes, less so like, let me come in and solve this because ultimately, and I I have never experienced homelessness or food insecurity myself. Um, I've been very close to people who have, so that's why it's so near and dear to my heart. But since I don't have, I haven't experienced these issues, I don't want to come in and think that I know the exact solution to it. So yeah, ultimately I'm seeing like my role as like empowering and like kind of bringing up the people or elevating their voices, really, um, people who are experiencing these these issues. That's not a whole lot of specifics on what I do. No, but. it's great. It's great. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what has been the most eye-opening discovery for you during your work? The most eye-opening discovery for my work? Hmm. Or just like the thing that everybody should know that they don't know yet? So I guess this is just more like, yeah, talking about it. But um, I would say the most eye-opening example for me was um, getting kind of like having my own world just like popped a little bit or my own bubble because I grew up not having to worry about anything. My family's very, it's well off. So um, I felt very disconnected from like deeper issues in the world. And so coming to JMU and um, I dated somebody who was very food insecure and financially limited, I guess. And so I think kind of like coming to college and seeing poverty and like in the community through my volunteer work. And I think that that really made me realize that I can't live in a bubble. And and I don't know, I guess whoever's listening or like students here at JMU are oftentimes like there there is a population of students who I see as removed. And I used to be one of them. Um, and I don't want to shame them for being removed from seeing people who are food insecure, like, um, but it's definitely been a very big learning experience for me 
I guess, being friends with people who don't know what they're going to eat for dinner or who go dumpster diving because they can't afford food or going to bed hungry or sleeping in because they don't want to eat or, or like, and they miss a meal because, so they'll sleep, um, or just drinking coffee because they want to skip a meal. Um, it's really, I just can't even imagine that. And, um, and so while I might not have experienced that, I really don't want others to have to experience these things and try to like essentially build up their academics and like these kind of top tier type things of like, I guess, ultimately, I guess I see this as like a lack of foundation that JMU isn't supporting or that our system as a whole isn't supporting. And so it's hard to expect like total engagement in the community and like academic excellence um, or career success when you can't eat a meal. So yeah, I guess that's, there's, yeah, I've had a lot of experiences where that have just kind of snapped me into reality where I'm just having a conversation with someone and they say, yeah, I, I just couldn't eat yesterday. Like I probably ate once and I'm like, oh my gosh, that it's, yeah. <laughs> um, and then another, I guess, another thing that's been really, really eye-opening has been going to these meetings with, um, it's, I think they, they're called Occupy Harrisonburg. Um, and we meet every Tuesday night and it's a group of people who are really connected to the issue of homelessness and some people experience homelessness themselves. Um, and so hearing them talk and talking with them and just, I guess, hearing their stories, it's, it's incredibly humbling and makes me recognize that like maybe some of the issues that I experience in my day to day that I like you know, I'm like, oh gosh, I can't believe this happened. Like I have a place to sleep every day and I have food to eat and I have water and I have a bathroom to go to. Um, those are incredible privileges and I have a salary, you know, like, and so being, hearing these stories and being friends with these, these people who are experiencing homelessness is like, has been very incredible for me. So I'd want people listening, I guess, to not turn a blind eye to these issues because these people are very real. They live in this world and they're incredible people. They're musicians, they're artists, they're writers, they're scientists, and they don't need to be overlooked anymore. Where do you see this program and the work that you've done impacting after you're gone? Because I know Mm -hmm. your JMU engagement fellow position is only nine months. So what do you want, like what impacts do you hope that you've made that continue? Yeah, this is a discussion I've had with my supervisor a lot. And I don't know if you know the Hamilton quote, but he's like, I need something that's going to outlive me. That's ultimately what we're trying to do here. And so I've been mapping out a lot of my connections in the community, putting in a lot of contact information. And um, my focus has been to create maybe an advisory council, definitely an advisory council, a basic needs coalition on campus. Um, So that's been ongoing Yeah, and I guess that's why I've been connecting a lot of people and connecting to a lot of people and relationship building so that I can create, I guess, like this social cohesion for when I'm not here. But also, I guess, in terms of the things that I create, um, I would love to see a food pantry started. And I would love to see more sustainable systems with Campus Kitchen because I've been doing a lot of like capacity building and operation management type stuff for the organization. So if I can create something to where other people are doing these things and I've just kind of like passed along the torch um, 
that would be amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me on our podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to our listeners for joining us for Conversations at the Cohen Center. Thank you for listening to Conversations at the Cohen Center. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at at JMU Cohen Center. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at cohencenter at jmu.edu. Our intro and outro music come from Phase 3 by Zylo Zico. You can find out more about them at freemusicarchive.org.